this is Pau and I'm here with Mo and today we are going to talk about Jupiter's joy in the 11th house. But before we jump into that, as usual, we will first start by talking about the current um, astro weather. So um, I think first this is a good opportunity to plug that our 2022 recap episode is out already and we're recording this at end of December, but we're planning on releasing this after we also release our 2023 forecast. So definitely look out for those, especially the 2023 forecast if you want to hear more about the astrology of the year, including January. Um, but we'll talk a little bit right now about just some of the astro weather. So what do you want to start with, Mo? Oh my goodness. So <laughs> Mercury has claimed us as victim uh mercury just stationed retrograde yesterday uh we were supposed to record this a couple of days ago but i've been having a lot of technical issues and so if that's a lesson for everybody uh really plan accordingly around that mercury station because there could be some technical challenges that you have to get around um and that's also been weirdly literal for me so yeah like it's just a weird note to end the year on yeah it seems like it's been a messy station for a lot of people like I know for me on top of um this recording getting kind of bungled it's just been the littlest annoyances like very very typical mercury retrograde stuff like I'm apartment hunting right now and everything from brokers forgetting the keys to the apartment to me inputting the wrong address <laughs> um, for the apartment, which is very unlike me. <laughs> and it's just been a lot of shenanigans like that, that luckily haven't been too awful, but it's very annoying. Oh my goodness. Like, so for me, it's just been weird relational stuff because you know mercury rules my seventh house so mm. just like dealing with you know just old relationships but then also just weirdly processing a lot of past relationship drama and i think that you know the station so close to venus and then right on top of pluto has been really symbolic of that for me yeah, and then this Mercury retrograde is also ruled by a Mars retrograde. Or sorry, it rules a Mars retrograde in yes. <laughs> Gemini. Yes. It's, uh, been, it's just been chaotic, it seems like. Yeah, it's funny because I keep having these really weird dreams that are kind of specific to both Mercury and Mars retrograde-related things. So, um I like the last thing I remember before waking up today was like dreaming about eating pizza, but like the context was I was also hunting for a new graduate lab while doing that. It was so weird. Wow. Like I was also looking for a new place to live, so it was super weird. Like, ah, uh, it was so weird. <laughs> yeah. I I did tweet about this too. I mean, apartment hunting during a Mercury retrograde and a Mars retrograde is not ideal, but sometimes it can't be helped. So good luck to us both. As well as yeah. I mean, a bunch of people replied saying they're on the same boat. So Listen, if it makes you feel any better. So I have a theory that because in my progress chart, Mercury has been 
like a retrograde for most of my life. When I look back at all the moves that I've made thus far, um, I've actually moved during Mercury retrograde. So like, it's just hard to avoid. So I, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm stuck in that cycle too. I I think every single move I've had for the past several years has been during a Mercury retrograde. My last one was the one before that. Definitely. I think even the one before that. Yeah. So there's that. Um, I mean, there's good news though. Uh, so even though Mercury is retrograde for most of January, uh, Mars will be stationing direct on the 12th. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which isn't uh, it's not that far it's less than two weeks away now at this point yeah yeah i'm excited um i do you know as much as i like jupiter and pisces i do also like a jupiter in aries um jupe still has triplicity here it's my jupiter return my north node is here too so um the last time jupiter was in aries like brought me some pretty nice things so i'm i'm excited for more <clears throat> i would say jupiter in aries last time was like earlier this year i keep saying yeah. last year because the year is basically over but it's like earlier this year um i would say like it was a mixed bag really um mm-hmm. but now like Having lived through Jupiter retrograde and seeing what Jupiter direct is doing, it's becoming more obvious that, you know, there's more benefit to this transit than not. So I'm really excited to see what it's going to bring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I think the, you, you already made mention of this, but I think just to mention it again, that the Venus-Pluto conjunction is happening right now. And we do talk about this in the 2023 forecast, how it brings back some similar themes in astrology from exactly a year ago when Venus was retrograde and made this conjunction like what three times yes and thank god she's not gonna be making this conjunction again for another like year so yeah yeah I, I remember us talking in both the recap and I think even the forecast about what Venus and Pluto is bringing. Like, you know, last year, for example, like Jelaine Maxwell was um, charged with, you know, a number of charges, including like sex trafficking around this time. And it's I, I, I do want to make a mention of just all the news this past like day about Andrew Tate and Greta Thunberg and now yeah he he got arrested by Romanian police for alleged um sex trafficking it's it's just wild oh my god you know it's even like wilder in that front so I believe Greta Thunberg is a she I think she's a Capricorn or has like major Capricorn placements and I think the institution that ended up arresting him has the acronym of Greta so it was really funny (laughs) wow yeah wow I remember looking at her I haven't looked at her chart lately but I remember looking at her chart a while back because her and uh, unfortunately Kyle Rittenhouse have the exact same birthday we don't have birth times for either but it would be interesting it would be an interesting project to try to rectify yeah totally um 
Okay, so any announcements for you, pal? No, you know, I think a lot of my Astro announcements nowadays, like, I really don't think I'm going to go back to reading. So um, I think it's just mostly going to be talking about just how, you know, um, I saw a tweet recently by Zartana on Astro Twitter asking about people who, um, I can't remember the exact question, but it was something along the lines of astrologers who don't do this full time or, or want to pursue another career full time. Like, how do you keep the astrology practice going? And this past year and a half has been that for me. I closed my readings about a year and a half ago. I don't see myself going back to it um, then. And because I really do want to focus on my full time career as a communications director and a community organizer. And so this this past year and a half has really been it's and moving to New York City has been a really great experience of meeting astrologers in real life for the first time. Just really building those friendships in the community and going to my first astrology conference. And I'm thinking about going to Norwalk. I haven't decided yet. Um, I think at this point it's a money issue with, again, I'm in the middle of moving again. So um, yeah. it's likely I won't, which is a bummer because I know it's been on my list for a while, but meanwhile, yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm going to be spending New Year's Eve with a couple of astrologers. Like I just hung out with, um, I just had dinner a couple of months ago that, you know, that Sam Reynolds <laughs> put together over here. And that's just been, um, that's been really, really fruitful and fun for me. But what about you? I mean, look, I'm also someone who is, I have another career full time. I don't want to be an astrologer full time. Um, but I do find that, you know, having a practice is, it's kind of therapeutic for me a little bit. Um, cause you know, it gives me something else to do besides the main thing that I do. I mean, I know that with the life changes I'm having, I know that my availability is going to change a lot. Um, but you know, I'm, I think I'm also leaning into more of that, like knowledge creation space in astrology. Like I have some plans for 2023. Um, so one of those things is speaking at Norwalk. So I'll see Mm -hmm. some of you at Norwalk in May. Um, and you know, it's just like, okay, I have a workshop that I'm actually recording like later today. Um, for those of you who have already bought tickets, um, you'll be able to attend that hopefully live. And I'm really excited, but just doing more of that teaching. And I like the consulting work that I do, but I don't want like a super big, like consulting practice. I'd rather have, you know, something with dedicated clients who I've built like a relationship with and see regularly or semi-regularly you know because it's just better to have a practice when you're able to just kind of see people go through the seasons of their life instead of just seeing them once and never hearing from them again yeah for sure I mean that is the part of having a practice that I do miss is the regular clients um because I really there is something to also just like how much you learn when you're reading other people's charts um and you know i in zartana's tweet like my reply was i I think having this podcast has also helped me a lot with really keeping a practice going and just continuing to study and learn and love this subject so i'm glad we've been keeping it going now for you know a couple years 
yeah and i think you know doing more of the podcasting thing instead of like you know being on like twitter like again and i think that you know elon destroying twitter is kind of like weirdly like a positive thing because it's really forced me to find different vehicles for communicating astrology and i think this podcast and now my Substack are going to be the main things going forward i think yeah i'm excited to see where you go with all of that um, I have opened a Substack. I have not done anything with it yet. I'm still trying to figure out that stuff, but I'm excited to see what you come out with. Thank you. Um, and with that, I think we can go into Jupiter. Yeah, let's do it. So Jupiter's joy is in the 11th house. I can't believe we're, this is the second to last planet already. Um, You know, this last half of um, the planets we've covered have all been above the horizon. They're diurnal planets. And so, um, yeah, so they joy in this upper half of the chart. And um, like Venus, um, Jupiter joys in a succeedant house um, tied to resources. And we'll go more into these 11th house meanings, but the Greek name for the 11th house was Agathos Daimon, which translates to good spirit. And just to recap, um, we did, we already did a Venus episode right on the fifth house, which you should check out if you haven't yet. But the fifth house is called Agathos Tuche, which is good fortune. And then the 12th house, which our next episode will be, was Kakos Daimon, which is bad spirit. So just to lay it out again, the fifth house and the sixth house are good and bad fortune. And then the 11th house and 12th house are good and bad spirit. So, um, you know, what What does the word daimon mean exactly? It, um, it comes from the Greek word dio, which means to divide and distribute one's allotment. Um, and the earliest use of the word that we know of is in Homer, um, the word daimons, daimonis. <laughs> um, so they were unpredictable gods that influenced human actions, um, and Hesiod described them as wing guardians or protectors. Plato said that they were personal spirits that brought either luck or harm. Um, I think really kind of the closest modern equivalent that many people could relate to, at least in Western culture, is, um, you know, like that angel and demon archetype, like sitting on your shoulder trying to influence <coughs> yeah. your decisions. Um, so that's kind of what I think of when I think of Daimon and, um, in contrast to Tuche, right? So Tuche is fortune. And again, that's, um, that's what the fifth house and the sixth house were called was the houses of good and bad fortune respectively. Um, so Tuche is discussed more as like the fates and fortunes, um, we're born with. So if you listen to those previous episodes, um, the, the, the mythology was that when you were born, Zeus would draw from two different jars of like good fates and bad fates, and only the gods and goddesses could be, draw from only the good fates, whereas for humans, you could have either a mix of both, or the, Zeus could draw only from the bad, the bad fortunes, and so... Um, it's kind of like this lot that you're born with is how Tuche was described, whereas um, whereas Daimon was, it's still very, very much fate focused and focused on these like, 
you know, these spiritual forces that influence us and drive our actions, but it's more like on the day-to-day, if that makes sense, um, versus this lot that you were kind of born with. Um, I hope I explained that right. But yeah, that's kind of, um, so therefore the 11th house was just often associated with blessings, whereas the 12th house of the bad diamond is like now viewed as the house of self-undoing, which we'll go into in our next episode. Anything more to add to that, Mo? No, I I thought that that was a really beautiful um, explanation of it. And you know what? What's interesting is as someone who's gotten into Vedic astrology a lot more because that is an unbroken tradition that's really tied into, you know, Hinduism and a lot of the lore within that religion and that cosmology, I feel like a lot of people don't realize that western astrology especially a lot of the older forms regardless of which access point you're coming at it with like there is a sort of like spiritual or creation or like purpose-driven um lens to it so like a lot of criticisms i've heard of western astrology is it's devoid of any um sort of meaning that gives you like life purpose and you know sometimes when you have like a spiritual outlet attached to it um not only does it become clear you know what the purpose of your life is and what the purpose of your birth is which is what i feel like these sorts of spirit related elements of astrology are kind of hinting at but it kind of gives you ways to remediate the sorts of difficult and but also good things that your chart represents so like for example with the diamond it's like not only is it like the spirit that's supposed to guide you as you're making decisions but it gives you a sort of set of themes that your life tends to focus on and i love how um i think if you have the privilege of watching i think it was samuel reynolds discussion on the lots for I think it was 2020 Norwalk, if I remember correctly. Um, I think he had the best take on it. It's like the lots, the lot of spirit and its lore describes kind of what you worship in life. And it's funny because I know that when you learn zodiacal releasing for spirit, a lot of it does take on that, oh, like, you know, your career choices um, tend to show up, but like as someone who's tracked their releasing from spirit, it's not just career. It's just things in general that I'm focused on and that are important to me. Um, Career does happen to be one of those things, but sometimes just literal decisions that I've made that may not be like relevant to career in that sense do show up in the in the releasing from spirit and it's really eerie you know so yeah yeah i you know i'm glad you used the word worship but you know often people often really just try to think about that spiritually you know as in like okay which god do you worship like what religious beliefs you have and that could be very much like a part of it but um you know in our increasingly secular society now there is a lot of prioritization toward career, which is why I do think that a lot of spirit does get associated with career so much. Um, I think what a lot of it kind of comes down to is, you know, it's, it's values and how do we pursue that, whether that's like in our career, in a spiritual practice, like whatever 
um way it's like just like a lot of those kind of like how, how does our like day-to-day prioritize like like how do how do we prioritize things on these day-to-day and how are our actions like shaping that path so right right yeah. yeah and then when you think about like what the fortune angles do is that you know it's kind of describing like you were saying these lots so these situations that you are supposed to experience right the circumstances that you're supposed to experience um and how well you know your decisions and the things that you prioritize interface with these situations that you you know were set up to experience and i think regardless of whatever cosmology spiritual tradition what have you there seems to be this a lot of cultures that suggest that you know before we're born we kind of choose or we kind of agree to experiencing certain things right and you know it's the spirit like seeing how well we can align with what we feel our purpose is like in spite of these experience we either chose to have or that were chosen for us right so it's really cool to think about it that way so it's i guess like jupiter and saturn representing you know the good cop bad cop in (laughs) making sure that you're aligning with what it is that you feel you're supposed to aspire to in life which is really interesting yeah yeah, I think um, let's talk about the eleventh house meanings. Then, like, what does what that is always say said have to do with the eleventh house? So, I think um, one of the meanings of the eleventh house that Hellenistic astrologers had, and I do think it you know it does continue into today's um, interpretations, is that the eleventh houses are aspirations, hopes, and dreams for the future. And um, even in horrorary, I, I when I first remember learning about horrorary, I was surprised to see that the eleventh house, um, you know, could signify like whether a person's going to get um, um, what they hoped for in a specific manner or whatever's being asked about. Yeah, I mean, what's really funny to me is that um, it kind of speaks to that, like Jupiter the Jupiter association with the 11th house. Cause it's like, okay, like the granting of, you know, wishes. And I know that like, again, as someone who's gotten into Vedic recently, like people go, Oh, I don't like, they don't like the Western association of Jupiter with the granting of wishes. But as someone who's, you know, practiced both astrologies, like I can see Jupiter doing that, but like, remember there's always like, there's always a catch, right? I mean, yes, you, it's like interacting with a genie or a djinn. It's like, yes, you get a wish, but like, it doesn't not come with bad things, right? It's just like giving you the option of experiencing the thing, right? Yeah, which is um, where the phrase, be careful what you wish for, <laughs> comes from. Right, be careful what you wish for, comes from. Yeah, I, um... I also have noticed too with just studying so many different um, regular people's charts too, but definitely um, celebrity or famous people charts is a lot of big things happening in people's career when they're in 11th house year. Like to me, it seems like a lot of the work probably was put in in the 10th house, but the fruit of that and the what's wished or hoped for actually comes out in the 11th house. Like for example, 
um, you know, musical artists releasing like a record winning album in the 11th house year that they obviously were working on in the 10th house year. Right. And like, you know, another thing that I see with 11th house is like awards. So it's like what follows the work that you do? Um, Because it's a succeeded house and it's like what follows the angle. So what would come after the angle? But also the things that support the angle and its objectives. You put out good work because you want people to recognize it. So like the 11th house speaking to, you know, sorts of like the people that you interact with or the people who are supposed to receive or benefit or acknowledge your good work, right? So, you know, you want to join like a group or society. You want to you know, gain connections from that. You want people to provide more financial support for the work that you want to do, right? Mm -hmm. And I think awards definitely falls in here as well as other things that could result from our good works, whether, you know, that could be wealth, that could be abundance, it could be prosperity, like those associated, those are definitely associated with the 11th house. Yeah, I mean, also, I I love that you put children in the notes. Um, So (laughs) a funny signification of the 11th house could also just have to do with other people's children. Because, you know, seventh, like, I know the seventh house is usually like other people. And the 11th house is fifth relative to the seventh. So it's literally other people's children. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then it could still, funny enough, also still be your own children because because the seventh house could also signify your spouse. And um, I mean, derived houses are just kind of funny that way. Um, and it makes sense that the 11th house would be associated with children. Um, we've talked a lot in this series on the joys about like, like definitely don't sleep on the opposite house. Like there is to be able to understand one house, like you really do got to look at the other, the opposite house um and children yeah. you know have t- t- typically do tend to be viewed as a blessing and a fortune so yeah it's true um jupiter is also in various astrological traditions just associated with the capacity for having children or the capacity of mm-hmm. you know caring for them right um yeah, yeah. and so speaking to the friendship piece, I know everybody's like, your friends are 11th house people. And, you know, that is somewhat true. But I think like a lot of people have this misconception that the 11th house is like close friends. Because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it's... honestly a more third house thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Or even the seventh house, right? Again, it really depends on the relationships. Um, Our closest ones do tend not to fit in the eleventh house, though. I agree. Like um, familial relationships tend to be outside of the eleventh, unless there's some kind of association with like a group affiliation. Like family can lead definitely to um, connections and networks, but um, but yeah, I acquaintances for example um have sometimes fall in the 11th house um connections networking groups uh, um affiliations it's basically like our individual ties to a collective and 
I think it's important to also just look at the trine between the 11th house, the third house, and the seventh house. Like the third house is siblings, um, but it's other, like as Mo said, it could be our close friends, um, our local community definitely falls, like neighbors will fall in like the third yeah. house. Um, whereas the seventh house will be, you know, our, our romantic partnerships, our business partnerships, like some of those like close, close relationships. Yeah, and I was finding that the seventh house also has more of that contractual element as well. Mm -hmm. It's like, what are these agreements that are binding? Whereas I find that, you know, the third and eleventh, because they're making that sextile with the ascendant instead of the opposition, it's not mm -hmm. binding. Because, like, think about it. When you have an opposition, which in, you know, Western aspect doctrine, because again, learning Vedic aspects are very different. Um, mm -hmm. The opposition is of the nature of Saturn. And what does Saturn do? It's binding, right? And in trying to reconcile, you know, opposing objectives, like you kind of have to set, you know, rules and boundaries. And so I find that the seventh house relationships tend to be binding in that way. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, third and 11th, because of that sextile aspect to the ascendant which is of the nature of venus it's like kind of trying to like accept that there may be some like differences and that you can fit as a part in a whole in some way and like mm -hmm. just finding common ground even if you're mm -hmm. not necessarily like the same types of people right yeah i i like the way you put that and um on that, it, the social media has um, sometimes gets associated with the eleventh house. Um, I I could see how it could fit, um, maybe not in all cases, but absolutely with just some of the networking and the um, finding that common ground. Like, I, I could I could see how that could fit in the eleventh. Right. House. I mean, also like I think that like I don't know. I would say it depends on how you're using the social media. So like yeah. I would say, you know, third house is more of that, like, oh, I go on social media to get a sense of what people are thinking about, to talk to them every day, blah, blah, blah. Whereas the 11th house is more of that, like, deliberate, like, curating of a platform for an audience. So, like, if you're a content creator, it's like influencer doing, like, culture versus. Like, yes, influencer culture yeah. versus. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, that's actually that 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 okay. is kind of really really loud for a house that um, Jupiter joins in. Yeah, so I much mean, of influencer culture too, right? Balance... It's like, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh no 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 no! Finish what you were saying about influencer culture because, like, also just thinking about some of our examples, I didn't really think about that at first. But I was just like, wait, we do have some influencers on this list. Oh like... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah with influencer culture it's about like getting you know as high of numbers uh, like of followers like real followers too as you can or the perception you have a bunch of real followers um there's a lot of the draw of being an influencer is getting free stuff and ideally getting paid for doing what you do so um but yeah, it's very much not so much like those like closer relationships of like, like, yeah, having more of those like kind mm -hmm. of close knit niche communities like astrology, Twitter or 
some of these other spaces. Um, although, you know, there's also, like, there are definitely, like, influencers even within our space as well, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, with that, I wanted to read a little bit about Valens on Jupiter, but also on the 11th house, because I think it'll, like, set set us up for, you know, the kinds of people that tend to have these placements so just to read really quickly jupiter indicates childbearing engendering desire loves political ties acquaintance friendships with great men prosperity salaries great gifts an abundance of crops justice offices office holding ranks authority over temples arbitrations trusts inheritance brotherhood fellowship beneficence um the secure possession of goods, relief from troubles, release from bonds, freedom, deposits and trust, money, stewardships. Of external body parts, it rules the thighs and the feet. Consequently, in the games, Jupiter governs the race. Of the internal parts, it rules the sperm, the uterus, the liver, the parts of the right side. Of materials, it rules tin. It is of the day set. In color, it is gray, verging on white. And it is sweet in taste. So Jupiter's just this really um, <laughs> positive sort of planet. And you can see like how it could be the Nepo baby influencer <laughs> planet. I'm excited about our examples because our examples definitely had a lot of Nepo babies and some influencers. <laughs> but, yes. Yeah. Uh, let me see what he says about the 11th house. If I can, like, I'm not going to read everything about, you know, the place of good Daimon, which is the 11th house. So basically what Valen says is if the benefics are in the sign of good Daimon located in their proper places and proper faces. So if they're, you know, in their decans, in their own sign, they make men illustrious and rich from youth, even more so if they are trying from the right with the lot of fortune or sextile with the ascendant. So if they're in the superior trying to the lot of fortune or superior sextile from the ascendant. Um, if they are in a listening or, okay, we'll skip that part because not everybody uses, you know, listening or beholding signs, um, which is a whole other concept. Um, if one of the benefics appears in opposition to Good Daimon and its house ruler, these stars bring bigger and better benefits and successes. If malefics are in conjunction with Good Daimon, they cannot do any evil. It is the most efficacious of the house rulers of the lot, the ascendant, and the Good Daimon happen to be if they happen to be rising, or if most stars are in conjunction or aspect with these in operative signs, they make men glorious and extremely wealthy. If Jupiter is in the place of good diamond, the native will be fortunate, possess good income, and have many children. Um, if it is also the ruler of the lot of fortune, the native will be rich and blessed. If Mercury is in conjunction with it, the native will be imper an imperial steward and will be happy with his children. So yeah, so just it makes sense that Jupiter here would be giving a lot of benefit. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Yeah, I, um, you know, when, like, I guess this is a good way to our examples, but when we were, when I was looking at the examples anyway, on one hand, like, like, as I said, there are plenty of Nepo babies, some influencers, very successful people. And on one hand, I was like, trying to really parse through like, oh, well, we're looking at 
the charts of notable people like of course there's just gonna be a lot of successful people but on the other hand like even when looking at the nepo babies like i actually didn't like use too many of them as examples because i didn't really see anything super interesting or exciting in a lot of their charts because you know like their most notable thing about them is they had a parent or a grandparent or some kind of relative who um you know worked really hard and was successful and then they get to reap the benefits of that yeah um yeah but that's a, that's not the whole thing too there were also definitely plenty of people on this list too who aren't apple babies right i mean for me also like the ones that i did include it's just that the placement of their jupiter was just really loud so i had to talk about it yeah you know um so yeah i mean another thing is that this is where we struggle with like the jupiter venus conundrum and i think 2023 will allow us to explore that because those two planets get to be square to each other the whole year and um you know jupiter is going to be answering to venus and i've noticed that venus is more of that personal pleasure it's like what's valuable to me like more of a sensate kind of tangible pleasure whereas jupiter is more of this abstract thing and unfortunately like as much as people you know shit on influencers and nepo babies there's something that they're doing abstractly that begets them lots of wealth right which is kind of they're speaking to like something that's valuable or projecting some culturally relevant thing for the collective to aspire to and i think that's very jupiter yeah so yeah yeah. agreed so on that note um let's start with aries jupiter and the 11th so if you have this place it's your gemini rising and jupiter is ruling your seventh house and tenth house so i have a couple examples for this (laughs) the first one is um all the astrologers listening which i think most of you are um will appreciate this but ebenezer sibley has jupiter and aries an anoretic jupiter just like me and um his, you know his his sibley chart is remains supreme as the u.s chart i know it's controversial i know not everyone uses it but it is it does tend to be touted as probably the most popular choice of the natal chart for the united states interestingly he was accused of plagiarism um at the time when he was alive but it didn't hurt his career at all he was a successful uh. astrologer he um, and, you know, just to fit with the 11th house, he founded a Masonic Lodge and had a lot of, you know, connections with that community. His brother was a Swedenborgian preacher, and I think he also, like, had a lot of connections with that community, too. So, yeah. Ebenezer Sibley. <laughs> um, and then my other example is Michelle Bachelet, who was the first female president of Chile and the first person to win re-election since 1932 she's no longer president now um but she has jupiter and aries in the first decan retrograde i also have had a bunch of retrograde Mm. chart examples in general by the way i don't know if you came across that a lot um but her jupiter is opposing her son saturn Cassini in the fifth house and um she was the again she was the first female president um and um you know it was what it was interesting to me about her career and you all could go and just keep reading about her career um outside of this but when some of the things that stood out to me was that her approval ratings dipped in her first term due to student protests 
and then mm. in the second term drastically like real bad in the second term due to a scandal that involved her son and daughter-in-law and so seeing that jupiter opposing her son saturn in the fifth house to me was very loud wow that's kind of intense yeah yeah so okay. do you have um do you want to so, go on to Taurus, Jupiter? Yeah, we can do Taurus. So I'm just gonna share my example and then you can do <laughs> you can do Adele, yeah. but mine's a quick one. So Olivia Jade, so everyone knows her for the college admission scandal, which is um kind of comical because you know that Jupiter would be ruling the ninth house, which is higher education, right? And <laughs> Basically, what happened is, you know, she's this major internet personality. Her mom is, um, what is her name again? I always, I just remember her as Aunt Becky from freaking. Yes. Oh my God. I forgot her name too. She's always going to be Aunt Becky in my mind. Literally. I just think Aunt Becky, full house. Uh, And then her dad's like a fashion designer. Um, And so, you know, she, and I think that speaks to like, again, her, I mean, she, she already has an exalted chart ruler in the 11th house so like because her jupiter is in the first decade of taurus but then like her moon saturn conjunction is in uh the second decade of taurus but it's still with that jupiter and so you know like it's like not only was she like able to have a platform because you know her parents are super famous and super rich but those rich and famous parents like helped her get into school (laughs) And then there was that whole admission scandal. And I believe that was her Jupiter opposition when that was happening because Jupiter was in Scorpio um, at the time. And so I thought that that was pretty um, funny that that was happening. It's like, oh, the only reason you get into college is because your parents have a lot of money and they know people. And it was a huge deal. I think she ended up withdrawing as well. So that college admission scandal was really fascinating to me because like <sighs> rich people donate to institutions all the time like but so it's wild to me that there there are rich people who just straight up bribe <laughs> like admissions folks right and i think what a lot of people don't realize about admissions especially to schools like harvard and yale is that the only reason those schools are artificially competitive is because they guarantee so many slots to legacy students. So mm-hmm. everyone else has to compete for a spot. Like if you're not a legacy student or your parents are not donating so that they can secure you a spot for admission or, um, you know, or if you're not like an athlete or something, cause you know, they do guarantee some spots for athletes as well. Like um, everybody else has to compete for a slot. So not saying that you know her parents didn't deserve to be held accountable but there are plenty of other people who don't get caught and it just happens so yeah my example is adele i mean i think this is also a very short one because it just goes without saying she's heavily awarded she's a heavily awarded singer she has jupiter in the second decan of taurus conjoined to her son and all of this is ruled by a 12th house Gemini Venus, which I think um, just speaks really loud to, you know, her her themes are about, like, just heartbreak, right? That's, like, what she really, really likes to sing about and, um, and gets really, really, really vulnerable, like, in her songwriting. But 
but yeah, um, she's she's won not just like Grammys, but um, you know, she's won Guinness Records. Like she's yeah, she's just very very heavily awarded as a singer. Okay, another I don't know if you noticed this, but another sidebar is that there are a lot of people who have weird talents with like writing. You know, mm-hmm. like I've noticed that it, it, in some examples more than others, but that's like, and you know, Adele's a great songwriter. So there is mm-hmm. that. And ultimately, that's what she's awarded for, right? Like, for example, like I think what a lot of people don't realize, like at the Grammys, a lot of what people get awarded for for album of the year is it tends to go to people who write their own songs. And yeah. all the other nominations of people who have really good albums, the reason that they never win is because they're not the main songwriter on right. a lot of their own songs. And so, yeah, Adele having that makes sense. Yeah. So Gemini, um, Jupiter. So these are Leo Risings who have a Jupiter that rules the fifth house and the eighth. <sighs> Um, one of my examples is Muhammad Ali. He has this in the second decade, decade of, Ju- of Gemini retrograde. He's like literally nicknamed the greatest. He's the only three-time heavyweight champion in boxing to this day. And on top of being like an excellent boxer, he was also known as an activist, which, you know, that was also very controversial at the time. But um, And then was also a successful spoken word artist. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. No, he he's very lyrical and had a way with words, so I, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah, in so many ways, just like a lot of the catchphrases that he was known for, right? That still like people still remember now. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to do your example? So I have Cristobal Balenciaga, so the original uh creator of that fashion house. He has a Gemini three uh retrograde. Mm-hmm jupiter co-present with neptune and pluto and what struck me was that like he was someone who despite like being so heavily involved in the fashion world and pretty influential um you know he was someone who was like really covert about his sexuality you know which jupiter is like ruling his fifth Mm. and so i wonder how much of that was like how much of that was strategic to you know like maintain the focus on his designs versus like you know this desire to really just be very out in public with um you know the sexuality but then i also think about the fact that jupiter rules the eighth house as well um and how the fashion house now um like after his death i think it like was temporarily on hold but then someone took it over and i just think of what um balenciaga has evolved into today something else i also just realized is um kanye who's like really heavily affiliated with the brand until recently um also has a gemini jupiter as well so that's um really interesting to think about yeah if only we had a birth time for him (laughs) right uh my my last example is Michael Moore, the award-winning documentarist. So again, someone who was just like pretty heavily awarded for his craft. And I do I do find it interesting. So the, his Jupiter rules both the fifth house and the eighth house that um, the documentaries he's most well known for cover these really 
dark themes around whether it's you know gun control and school shootings to um the american healthcare system and um you know and then of course all the attention he's brought to his hometown of flint michigan that has constantly been dealing with um toxic water and lack of water um yeah and then his jupiter's in also in the third decan of gemini right i mean it's just crazy like also um i think like thinking of that like mercury ruled jupiter because you know jupiter doesn't do well in the mercury signs i think of muhammad ali like you know him getting stripped of some of his titles because he didn't want to go to war um michael moore like constantly getting flack for like you know like because you know he is someone who's also like friends with a lot of celebrities as well which you know is able to elevate his platform and i can't help but wonder if like people are also like constantly critiquing like how legitimate are your like motives and criticisms if you are like bumping elbows with certain people but, you know, yeah, and like, then his last his last documentary got like delayed because he was producing it with Harvey Weinstein, who he also had legal problems with. But they clearly made amends, and then they made amends right before about like being like about like working on almost working on another documentary when the Me Too movement happened, and he quickly you know dissociated. Ooh, with him. Yeah. You know, like yeah. So that that's just something to think about when you think about the dignity of Jupiter as well. So it's like, yes, Jupiter is like well positioned to do all these things, but then it's like mm, maybe something happens that like is somewhat threatening to your legacy. And so even though um, you know Cristobal Balenciaga is not alive, I'm thinking mm-hmm. about the legacy, which is again eighth house of the people who took over his brand and his fashion house, and how recently again come into the news because of scandals involving children and sexuality and the things that are implicated in that and so i think that that's a really weird side effect of you know your natal chart living on even if you're Mm -hmm. not here yeah and i think that's a really good segue to the cancer jupiter examples because this is the opposite we have an exalted jupiter um Mm -hmm. for these folks and my first example is steve jobs so he has Jupiter in Cancer 3 retrograde, um, conjoined to Uranus, and opposing Venus in its joy, all while squaring uh, Mars and Aries. It's a very, very dignified chart. And of course, he's known for founding Apple with Steve Wozniak, but even on your notes on legacy, right? Like, I think the average person is going to remember Steve Jobs as, as associate Steve Jobs with Apple. I think with a Apple. lot of people might not even know Steve Wozniak's name, sadly. Right. I mean, people barely acknowledge Tim Cook at this point. Like, yeah. Apple is Steve yeah. Jobs. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Steve Jobs was, um, I mean, even the idea of, um, I mean, I, ha- I have a MacBook. I don't know if you do, but the fact that the logo on the back is um, backwards when, like, like, let's say I were to close my laptop screen and then, like, look at it, it would be backwards in my view. But when I open it up and I'm sitting at a coffee shop or, like, or, you know, co-working space and people are looking at my Apple, it's going to be right side up. Um, I remember learning that that was like a decision like Steve Jobs like extremely pushed for like he was obviously very excellent when it came to branding and very excellent when it came to branding and I think the way he designed Apple and rebranded Apple you know in its last decade before he passed 
was trying to make it like something that appealed and could have use to everybody right Mm -hmm. like and it's like i want this to appeal to the artist to the academic to like and he was really successful in that branding like um yeah something else that i think about is you know because it rules his fourth house and like a lot of people don't know is he was adopted right Mm. so i think his biological parents like couldn't keep him and he ended up being adopted by a very privileged like and a lot of people don't know he was syrian but like he was adopted Mm. by a very privileged like white family so there's that um yeah and i think of the 11th house speaking to like other people's children like (laughs) being kind of loud yeah that's um, a great example of that yeah if you want to go into one of your examples we could just kind of go back and forth so mine are real quick so um two of them child stars um emma watson and sky jackson and i think this is speaking to that Mm -hmm. cancer one jupiter um so sky jackson being a child act actress which i think is like maybe a cancer one thing but you know she's very memeable and a prominent internet personality um she was on i don't remember the show but a lot of the other um disney actors and actresses that were on that show went on to have very lucrative careers as either influencers or actors and all this other stuff um emma watson so even though her parents weren't like famous like they're affluent lawyers right so you know that helped her with a lot and she's also an activist as well championing like women's rights especially um but she's most famous for her childhood role as hermione granger in harry potter um and you have katherine schwarzenegger who is you know not only the daughter of arnold schwarzenegger but maria shriver who a lot of people forget is a kennedy so like (laughs) she's really entrenched into like political and hollywood like circles um again like jupiter rules the seventh house and her um husband is chris pratt who's an actor (laughs) also she herself is an author and she writes i think i don't think she wrote children's books but it's weird because there was another like example of somebody who was a children's book author who like had the cancer on jupiter so again children and fame and like all this other stuff tied to that uh but she is an animal activist so she's like very into animal rights and so i thought that was interesting and then finally again having like a noted mate uh nicholas sarkozy who you know was president of france and there was this whole scandal when he ended his relationship with his first wife who was or sorry his second wife who was also a supermodel or like someone who was like reasonably famous and probably respected in political circles uh so that and then ended up with carla bruni like right after that it was like a big deal yeah and carla does also come from a pretty privileged family as well so there's that yeah these are all good examples um i want to go back to your emma watson one because you know on the note that she had affluent lawyer parents i remember reading this um news story this is years ago but um i think at this point she was already like a young adult and she was talking about how her parents like really managed her financials really really well when she was a child and didn't give her access to any of it until she was like a little bit older like um and 
I, I think about how different that, you know, like, unfortunately for a lot of child stars, right, like their parents are their undoing, um, um, whether that's like just like financially exploiting them or just exploiting them in other ways. And maybe that perhaps is due to some, you know, just their own affluence, like why would they need to kind of steal from their own daughter? <laughs> but, right. um, but yeah, I remember like just that stood out to me. I remember like this article about Emma Watson. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, um, my last example is um, Kurt Cobain. So he has Jupiter and Cancer 3 retrograde. Um, the moon is there. So that's a domiciled moon. He actually has a pretty big um, grand trine in water in his chart. And even though, you know, he's not like heavily awarded, like a lot of um, musical artists on this list, he definitely has a huge legacy. Um, you know, unfortunately, his life ended um, he very short um but yeah he's still kind of he kind of became this um interestingly a pop culture icon as someone who was in like the grunge alternative rock scene um yeah and his like name is still really really known today um especially with you know like the the gen z like um love for like 90s music i feel like like Nirvana's just like coming back again which you know Nirvana really kind of has come back over and over again these past few decades yeah, no, I mean, like, again, grunge, like, influenced a lot of other, you know, alternative genres um, and really changed how we think about, like, what constitutes, like, you know, rock music. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think, like, again, him and his group, like, really, um, you know, redefined what music is. And I think that that's a big enduring part of his legacy, for sure. Um yeah yeah um for leo examples um you do yours first so i only had romeo beckham who's i think he's the third wait no he's the second oldest son of david and victoria beckham obviously nepo baby um (laughs) so you know like obviously they put the boys in soccer when they were younger but only he was the only one who managed to stick with it so far and i think it's funny because like as a libra rising it's like siblings and like sports are ruled by the same planet because i would say sports can be kind of like both a fifth house but also a sixth house thing it's Mm -hmm. like okay we're putting this activity with my siblings but i was the only one who kind of stuck with it um what's interesting is that i think he's also the only one who's stuck with sports because he did take a break from um he took a break from it in 2014 to do tennis for a while but weirdly like when the pandemic started i think he came back to it um so now he's exploring his career as a footballer and by football i mean soccer in this context so yeah it'll be interesting to see what he does because um you know it's also like opposing his neptune so i wonder like what the relationship with that is going to be as he gets older yeah um my only example is bill maher who has um this um this jupiter also at an energetic degree retrograde um conjoined the pluto and co-present uranus all while opposing his aquarius sun and then squaring his moon so, you know, he's a comedian, political commentator, host. 
He's um, known for being very, very controversial. I definitely don't agree with like a lot of his views. Um, but I do find it interesting just also how influential he is. Like, for example, like Chris Rock says that this is like one of the comedians who really influenced his stand up. I was surprised by that. But um, yeah, like a lot of a lot of comedians um, say that about Bill Maher. Yeah. Um, again, he's also very, um, very, very political in his comedy. And I think that, again, like him and you know, John Stewart and Stephen Colbert, like that whole like sort of um group of like comedians just kind of like helps, you know, blur the boundary between comedy as entertainment and like yeah. comedy as like food for thought when thinking about what's going on in the world. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Uh I guess we hop to Virgo Jupiter. Yeah, share one of your examples first, and I could do. That. So this is like another example of debilitated Jupiter, and I thought it was interesting that Jessica Simpson had this. So, you know, she struggled a lot in her early career because you know she was trying to ironically be like a Christian artist at times, mm-hmm. but then like mm-hmm. a lot of her early branding centered around, and this is where like Jupiter ruling the fifth house comes in like downplaying her sexuality because like she was discovered by tony matola which was you know mariah's now ex-husband and former manager um who was already managing mariah and i think he was kind of influential in britney spears britney spears's trajectory and so he's like okay mariah and britney are kind of really sexualized and we need somebody like who's not like that someone who's a little more you know chased and all that like there was this all this craziness about like her needing to wait to have sex before marriage and this that and the third before she you know what i mean so it was really weird but that was very successful for her like launch into pop music god um, that was like sorry. such an interesting time for pop music artists because there was there was pressure for like pretty much all like you know it's like her britney spears christina aguilera mandy moore it's like really kind of like those were the four main ones they're all these like blonde white girls Um, but you had like britney and um christina being like the hypersexual and then you have mandy and jessica being kind of like yes vaguely like girl next door young christian life like right uh, you like know? you could tell like all of them were really like trying to figure it out and i'm sure it was just happening so 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 quickly like i know like i think at one point britney did have a promise ring and then that got thrown out like really really quickly like, oh really jessica Def had one and yes. she kept it for a while and then she got married to, to Nick, Nick Lachey. Lachey. Yeah. Really one of the first reality TV shows. Yes, that that's another really one. Yeah. God. I that show seems like forever ago now. And it's it's I wanna right. look at the chart of Nick Lachey and stuff. I know we're going on a tangent. Because now he's hosting um Love is Blind. With his <laughs> now like a, wife. With his now wife, who I just I, I don't know if you saw the tweets of her doing cocaine with Lindsay Lohan are like recirculating again. God, <gasps> what a really interesting time in pop culture. Ooh, the odds. <laughs> what a time. Um yes. And then my other example is Lily Wachowski. So half of the Wachowski sisters who gave us the matrix and also shows like sense eight um 
and I think it's interesting, like how like what people don't realize is how the Matrix was really just like a allegory for being a trans person. And I think that the, like when I think of Virgo, the Virgo one Jupiter, I just really think of that. It's just so it's so loud to me and how there's this creation of these sci-fi shows that like really depict like queerness in a very accessible way which um appeals to like a lot of people and i think it's really really cool and i think that's like kind of symbolic of what she and her sister have been able to accomplish which is awesome that's really so. cool. I, I didn't know that about the Matrix. And I also didn't know <laughs> or that they did Sensate as well. Cause Yeah, they did Sensate. And I like in I, I do wonder if when they made Sensate they decided they wanted to be just way, way, way more explicitly like have a message about like trans people and the trans experience by having yeah. a character who's trans played by a trans woman, which um yeah, which is great. I'm, I love that show. <laughs> I'm sad it didn't continue. I know it was actually, and like the, the the execution was just it was great. It was unique, like so, so good. Yeah. Now it makes okay. Now okay, everything's making sense now because in the latest Matrix, so many of those actors are in it, and I remember being like, "That's weird that they're all in it," but now this this makes way more sense now. Yeah. Yeah. Um. My my example for Virgo Jupiter is very quick. I put David Guetta, who has um also has this Jupiter. All of our examples were in um Virgo Deccan one. Um for him he has a co-present Pluto, a Pluto Venus and Uranus conjunction. And I think one of the things David Guetta is most known for, on top of being also heavily awarded, is he just collaborated with everyone. There were just so many collabs in yeah. like that two thousands, twenty tens period and um i mean i'm not still now like he he's still collabing with people now like true um i i feel like it did kick off an era of just like a lot of these djs actually just like collabing with everyone across various genres too yes it's like david ghetto walked so zen and freaking um who's the other one now uh Steve Aoki and like all these other people could run. So, uh, yeah. God, isn't Steve yeah. Aoki about to go into space right now with some Japanese? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He is totally. Yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this is a fun segue into Libra Jupiter. Now, <laughs> this one was really interesting because like you have like a mix of people who are super privileged, but then also people who are like not so yeah <laughs> yeah my first example is adriana lima who is most known for being a victoria's secret model she was the longest running victoria's secret model up until she retired she has it in the first decan of libra conjoined to an exalted saturn and the present moon in pluto and she won Ford Supermodel Brazil Award at age 15, which then got her immediately signed, of course, and then had been become became this like huge supermodel. Like she really like a, wow. alongside Giselle and some other models, I, I can't remember their names, but she like they were the face of Victoria's Secret for so long. Right. And like that would have been during her fourth house perfection here. So that's kind of loud. Yeah. Kind of loud. loud. Um, and for those who don't know, you're a Sag AC. 
um fourth house perfection year is also jupiter ruled because it's pisces so yeah mm-hmm. um so paris hilton is mine she's also a uh libra one conjunct saturn but this is on her midheaven and both are retrograde um she's an heiress to the hilton hotel chain fortune um i would say she also helped define like social media not social media but one influence influencer culture and two um you know reality tv culture um she really was the face of the brand of the 2000s and i would say arguably into now famous for being famous vibe she walked so kim k and the kardashian jenners could run in my opinion um (laughs) which is funny because again like kim kardashian used to be her assistant slash friend so i mean they're still friends but she used to be her assistant um what was interesting though is that like she's recently become a little more activistic and like she's rebranded big time Mm -hmm. um and i think it's interesting how you know like because she is a saturn jupiter and air person like i do think that this age of air is going to do really interesting things for paris hilton but also a lot of the 1980 1981 babies who have that configuration um so Recently, she's been using her platform to advocate abuse practices in youth treatment facilities, uh, drawing on some of her own experiences as a teen who was sent to rehab at one of these facilities. And I think a lot of that stuff was happening on the heels of her Saturn opposition in Aries. And, you know, her quite literally being put away so that she could reform her practices. But, like, no, I think it's interesting that she recently helped, like, get, like, I think legislation pushed through at least the house related to that. So I don't know. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, another example I have is Margaret Cho. Uh, she has Libra one Jupiter conjunct Uranus, and this one's co-present with Mars. So she explores a lot of themes of queerness and being Asian in her role as a stand-up comic. Um, specifically, she rose to prominence in the, 1990s in her leading role on all american girl i mean unfortunately with the end of that show she did struggle a lot with you know addiction and what have you but i do think that like in recent years she's kind of made a comeback as like a sort of relevant figure for comedy um yeah and she really paved the way for i mean a lot of um asian american artists um no matter what Mm -hmm. they're whether they're acting acting comedy um what not like constantly like to margaret show as you know, an influence. Yeah. My last one is Catherine Seda Jones, uh, who's a Libra to uh Jupiter. So she's from a modest background, not super rich, but her parents did win. I thought this was funny because it's also like the ruler of the fourth house in the eleventh. <laughs> so like her parents won like a hundred thousand pounds to help pay for some of her classes in acting and dancing when she was a child. But like they just won present. it like in the lotto or it was like a bingo competition they won it <laughs> and it helped pay for some of her stuff um well, you know she went on to be a decorated actress in a lot of films she also supports a lot of charities and she's very like i find that the libra 2 jupiter is different from that libra 1 jupiter where she's very very in control of her media image and something that stuck out to me was her um when she got married to Michael Douglas, she and him only like 
paid OK Magazine to get like the exclusive coverage of her wedding and did not invite the rest of the press. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So Scorpio Jupiter, <laughs> um, we had a lot of contemporary examples up until now because I got some very good Renaissance ones that were really interesting. So um, Lorenzo de' Medici has Jupiter in Scorpio in the 11th. It's in Scorpio 3, co-present the Midheaven and squaring a Mercury Venus in Aquarius in the second house. So he was known as Lorenzo the Magnificent. He was the de facto ruler of Florence and, you know, is known now as just being a really, really big patron of the arts. Like, he is a big reason why Botticelli and Michelangelo's works exist today. He was only paid for these things. Um, His grandfather was Cosimo de' Medici, and Cosimo is really the one who began the rise of the Medici family. They um, got rich through banking. And, um, but it's Lorenzo who really kind of, um, really kind of took that and just like uplifted the family's prominence and power even more because, um, he did have sons and then, then, um, you know, also kind of placed them in a position of power as well. So, um, both of them are examples, but I'm only gonna, I'm gonna go over the first one for now and then the other one will come up um, later. But um, his oldest son, Piero di Lorenzo de' Medici, has also has Jupiter and Scorpio in its um, joy, or retrograde though, in the first decade and conjoined to Uranus and also the Midheaven. Um, and opposing a Taurus moon. In contrast to his father, who is known as Lorenzo the Magnificent, Piero was Piero the Unfortunate. <laughs> So this is because he became ruler of Florence because of his father. He inherited that position, but he ended up getting exiled because he made this really bad decision to collaborate with King Charles of France, which the people of Florence, you know, this is like a sworn enemy of Florence. They saw it as a huge betrayal and they exiled him and then he never came to power again. Um, and then my last Renaissance example is Alessandro Farnese. So the Farnese's were another big um, family. This one was big in Rome. Um, he has um, his Jupiter also in Scorpio three, just like Lorenzo. Um, also co-president the Midheaven and Mercury, and he was the grandson of Pope Paul the third, who had the exact same name as him. And he again, just like Lorenzo, big reason why we have a lot of renaissance paintings and sculptures now um, is because of him and if any of you go to rome i would strongly suggest you visit the palazzo farnese i think it's um very very underrated and not really well known as far as different museums and places to go and um you know that was all his money that paid for that so wow so my only example from this day and age is joan jett uh who has scorpio one uh, Jupiter conjunct Neptune, but squaring, uh, you know, the moon in Aquarius. And I thought it was interesting that, you know, while she's very notable as being kind of like a mother of like punk, um, mm-hmm. you know, the Runaways, when it was a band before she went solo um, and like was like the like had like Joan Jett and I don't remember the other like her like supporting team. Um her band like the runaways was only successful like everywhere else but couldn't quite chart very well in the u.s so i thought that that was really interesting because you know jupiter rules the 12th 
you know, being successful in like a foreign place. And then when you brought up your um, Piero the Unfortunate example, I thought the exile was literal because it's like very literal. Okay. literal and then and then also making it this really terrible decision of just like yeah. a bad collaboration like do not like not don't ally with france at this time day, day and age yeah. yeah which is really funny i mean <laughs> this is a nice segue into sad jupiter um we're gonna segue into um you know france after they got rid of their monarchy uh robespierre <laughs> 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 who is uh, not only a Saturn in Pisces, funny story, but is a Sag to retrograde Jupiter, um, conjunct Pluto and Sag three on the midheaven in the 11th house. And he is an infamous figure in the French Revolution. Um, he's coined, he's famous for coining that famous phrase, which characterizes the revolution. So he added uh, fraternité at the end of, um, you know, the, I guess it was like the phrase that was for like the, I think like the French military or something. So he like coined that phrase that is very um, popular when you think of the French Revolution. So his rise to prominence came within the Jacobin Club, which gave him that launch pad into French politics. I thought what was another literal manifestation, just because uh, Jupiter is a very spiritual or um, religious planet as well, regardless of what system. Of astrology you practice he really established this cult of the supreme being to promote deism in antithesis to you know christianity and islam practiced by some um in france and its colonies (laughs) and it's just weird because when you hear about like the descriptions or depictions of the sort of festival that he had for it's very sad too it's very like oh, there's lots of elaborate jewels and there's elaborate, like, symbolism. And I think it got to a point where, you know, maybe, like, people were suspecting that he was starting to see himself as a god amongst men in what was supposed to, like, promote this sort of spiritual alternative to, like, organized religion because he was, like, kind of donning himself in these sorts of luxurious jewels and when you think about the fact that jupiter is ruling his chart ruler it's kind of funny we um we also use robespierre as an example for moon and it's joy because he has an aries moon in the third house and so you all should go back and listen to that episode as well but i also mentioned the cult of supreme being um when we discussed his moon because i think it's also very very loud that he tried to form this um something outside of like what was like then like the or still to this day like the main organized religion right yeah Um, this is very very third house yeah uh, um, and then I guess I'll share Amy Poehler, who mm-hmm. has Sag 1, uh, conjoined Neptune, but opposite to Saturn. Uh, so she's a decorated comedian. Uh, she was on SNL when it was probably its funniest. And, you know, ever since then, when she was there with Tina Fey, they went on to have a lot of successful collaborations. She's a producer on a lot of your favorite movies and TV shows that are funny. Um a lot of the things that she worked on with people, everybody who worked with her went on to be successful. And Parks and Rec is one of those shows that comes to mind. So there's that. Yeah, it's like every actor in that um, is doing something now. Yeah. Which is like really cool to see. Yeah. 
That's a good point. I like that example. Um, my last example of Jupiter and Sag is Pierre Auguste Renoir, who was an Impressionist painter. He had Jupiter and Sag two co-present the midheaven, um, squaring. He was a Pisces. He, he had heavy Pisces placements in the second house, so he had a Sun, Pisces Sun, Uranus, and Mercury. Um, he also has Moon and Saturn in his joy, so maybe I'll bring him up again in the next episode. But yeah, so he was an Impressionist painter, right? And um, the Impressionists were very much seen as this alter- you know, alternative group. I mean, they literally broke away from the Academy at the time and tend to really get portrayed as these like struggling artists, which many of them were, um, but not him. <laughs> he actually was very, very successful. Even during his time, he was well-liked and really, really benefited from his relationships with art, other artists. Um, he was often... Um, he, he often got viewed as being just like his own worst enemy in some ways because he was like a huge, huge, huge perfectionist and never like ever was really super happy with his works. But, um, you know, even like just Google his work, like when you look at it, it's just extremely like beautiful, sunny, vibrant compared to like not all impressionist <laughs> artists were like that. Some, you know, were a little darker or like we're doing the opposite of celebrating the increase in industrialism for him he like really was constantly showing like happy scenes um beautiful women families you know people hanging around and gathering and partying actually like i think his most famous paintings are show people just gathering and partying which is um very 11th house to me that's loud i love that (laughs) (laughs) it's so loud and it's also very like jupiter in its like peak of experiencing joy so (laughs) yeah um which is interesting when we compare to capricorn jupiter which is it's it's an interesting thing to think about because in this example you have pisces ascendance so this is chart ruler being depressed Mm -hmm. in capricorn and i have two that are very similar like i like when you realize how similar their charts are it's kind of scary so gwyneth paltrow who's also libra sun um in the eighth house conjunct pluto uh but her son is squaring the jupiter and then lourdes leon so madonna's daughter uh who's also a libra son um but i think the jupiter is closer to squaring mercury and it's on the nodal bendings but anyway with, with gwyneth like she's a major legacy nepo baby her mom's an actress her dad was like a film producer um and i think her I don't remember on which side of her family, but like a grandparent is like also in the entertainment industry. Steven Spielberg is her godfather, for Christ's sake. And he helped her score some of her first acting gigs. You know, she was a very popular actress in the 90s, early 2000s. Um, but then like after she won her Oscar, ironically, like and there was this joke that especially for women who get Oscars, their careers tend to dry up after they get the Oscar. And so after she won her Oscar for mm-hmm. her role in Shakespeare in Love, her film career kind of dried up a bit um, until she joined the Marvel franchise. Even though she wasn't a leading character, that series went on to be high grossing. So obviously she benefited. Um, and then on top of that, she was you know known for her role in Glee and she had some successful roles in television. But now she's like well known for her lifestyle brand which is just basically her trying all this crazy shit on herself and like 
influencing people to try those things for themselves, you know, at the expense of becoming, you know, public enemy number one for a lot of people in health and science. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then Lourdes, uh, who has a Capricorn 2, Jupiter, squaring Libra Mercury, which, you know, says things about parents. And I think about how Madonna infamously says that her daughter is more talented than her, but has no drive to work hard. None. (laughs) And she's like, why would she? She's like, rich. Um, But what's interesting is Lourdes also paid for her own college and went to the same one as Madonna because she didn't want to be financially controlled by her. So like, weirdly, while there is this benefit of having your mom's name, there's just this tension between her and her mother, I guess, in terms of like what she should be doing with that fame. And I think now she's doing more with fashion these days. So it's really interesting to see. I think that's very loud for a depressed Jupiter. Yeah. Um, my my only example is Tony Gwynn. He was a major league baseball player who played with the Padres his entire career. I he has Jupiter and Capricorn one with Saturn co present, so I think that this is um, just screams to just the longevity of his time. It's very rare with any kind of athlete, right? But um, including to stay on um, the major same team. baseball players to stay on the same team the entire career. Um, so you know that said, he was nicknamed Mister Padre. He's I'm from San Diego, so he that this is a name that I know very very well that I grew up with constantly hearing, but. Um, he, you know, he got and he's on the Baseball Hall of Fame. He's considered one, still one of the best batters of all time. But, you know, with this Capricorn Jupiter um, and being with the Padres and having that loyalty to the Padres the entire time, the Padres have never won a World Series, at least to my knowledge. Definitely not while Tony Gwynn was on there. They're not, they, they in my lifetime, they've never been a good baseball team. And so, um, yeah, Tony Gwynn never got to see that, but he has won other records as far as like his batting and just other, um, other things in baseball. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So Aquarius Jupiter. I'll, I'll do my example first. So going back to the Medici's, as I said, Lorenzo de' Medici had um, one son, Piero, who gets exiled. He also had a second son. Um, and that son became Pope Leo X. And Pope Leo X had um, Jupiter in Aquarius too, opposing uh, Saturn and Leo and squaring Uranus and Neptune and Scorpio. Um, again, he's, uh, he's Lorenzo de' Medici's second son, Piero's brother. And he um, was very obviously very powerful. <laughs> he um, ascended to Pope. Um, and really just to kind of paint the picture for, I mean, it, it, there, there, there might still be elements of this to this day, but very, very much so during like in the Renaissance times, like um, rich people were constantly trying to get their sons um, to become cardinals so that they could ascend to Pope. Like this was very, very much a political game. Being Pope was extremely, it wasn't just a figurehead or the head of the church. Like this was a very, very political um position like popes popes waged wars back then um so anyway so the medici successfully got a medici to power um via pope leo the 10th and what he became most well known for was um 
the indulgence scandal that eventually kicked off the Reformation. It's not that Pope Leo X was the first pope to grant indulgences, but he became the most notorious for it. Like it really, really peaked in his time. Um, just the long story short of it is like an indulgence is when you, um, actually there's a couple of things that happened in his reign. It was like one, um, people basically paying the church to get pardoned for their sins. Um, and then the second thing, which is just, it was just straight up like taking bribes to grant these, again, these like powerful positions, whether it's like cardinalships or um, other positions within the Catholic church. So that's probably the tenth. So my example is, um, you know, uh, John Voight, you know, father of Angelina Jolie. Um, he's an Aquarius three, uh, Jupiter squaring his Venus in Scorpio. So one, he has a very famous daughter. Like, I think that that's kind of loud. And then he was critically acclaimed for his performance in a lot of biographical films, like depicting usually some kind of sneaky, shadowy character. Like, I think he was like playing some kind of like, you know, Nazi, like, warrior prisoner or something like in one of these films and he was like kind of like a cowboy outlaw in other films like so he's always playing that kind of sketchy character um and then another thing i think is interesting is how he's like become you know weirdly like into political conspiracy theories like just watching his like political evolution as well um throughout his life like you know he used to say more progressive things uh, and now, like, especially with Saturn going through Aquarius now, like, he's just gone, like, done a complete, like, 180, which is really interesting. And he's become, like, one of uh, Trump's biggest, like, celebrity supporters, you know? So it's just really strange. <laughs> I didn't know yeah. that, actually, about him recently. Like, I actually really, I mean, he's definitely an actor, um, but... I, I most know him about just the really, really like contentious relationship he has with his daughter, Angelina Jolie. Yeah. Yeah. But also just like, I guess like his wives as well, because he's been married more than once. So he a... was married. I think Angelina Jolie's mom was his second wife. I think he, yeah. both of his ex-wives were actresses and then he never, ever remarried again, but dated a lot of people, a um, lot like of people. Barbara Streisand, Diana Ross. <laughs> Has a lot of had a lot of famous women that he's yeah. dated so yeah okay and then finally pisces jupiter <laughs> <laughs> last but not least this is a domiciled jupiter in its joy with a taurus rising um ruling the eighth and the eleventh and my example is christina onassis who was the daughter of aristotle onassis so she was an heiress um a stepdaughter to jackie kennedy onassis and she has um jupiter in pisces one co-president the north node and at 25 when her father died she became the world's youngest billionaire and um at at 25 she had already been married and divorced twice she went on to marry and divorce two more times after that um, with just her fortune being um, a real, obviously, like people, like there was just constant questions about whether people were marrying her for her money or was it for her. Um, and then even outside of marriage, people were constantly trying to scam her. Um, 
her inheritance alone led to a ton of legal battles with Jackie, which eventually led led to her um, settling out with Jackie. I think Jackie got some millions of dollars out of it, but the bulk of the fortune remained with Christina. Um, And sadly, she died suddenly at the age of 37. And so um, it's a very interesting example of a domiciled Jupiter um, ruling the 8th and then, of course, the 11th, because it's domiciled, because um, obviously it's, it's yeah, she, she, was, she was the world's youngest billionaire at age 25, and it afforded her a lot of comfort and privileges. But with it also ruling the 8th, just all of the problems that had brought and sadly yeah. into her life as well. And then the North Node being there, right, of just like that excess, that the potential for excess. Yeah. Another person, Jordan Peterson. <laughs> oh, God. Um. So, you know, before he became, like, a lifestyle coach and a political commentator, he's actually a very decorated um, psychology professor. Um, so he's got that Pisces 2, Jupiter, conjunct Chiron, opposite, opposite Pluto, and um, squaring his sun and Mercury in Gemini. And so, one, I think, like, him building a platform on psychology, which I've noticed that, like, a lot of things around, like, understanding the psyche have shown up with, like, 8th house stuff. Um, makes a lot of sense. And if you look at, like, a lot of his more popular videos on YouTube, it's literally his lectures on different um, facets in psychology. But then, like, I think with the advent of certain, like, political movements especially in Canada because he used to be a professor at the University of Toronto um he you know started getting more overtly political and then I think this led to questions about like or accusations that he's funded by a lot of weird um you know right-wing kind of incel type elements and I think that is true to some extent like I don't know how true it is um, also just tying in that eighth house, like I think like again, like having very publicized um themes around uh I think he recently had to check into some facility for addiction to benzodiazepines or something. Cause uh I, I guess he suffers from like a lot of anxiety or something like that. So like he was just taking a lot of them. And I don't know, just him being able to, like, build a huge platform off of, like, you know, voicing, maybe giving, like, bad advice to people about how to cope with, you know, their pain or their perceived wounding. Because, you know, Chiron is kind of like that wounded healer. And he was kind of acting as that for some people. Like, whether the advice was sound is debatable, but... It was able to speak to a lot of people and, you know, that did help him build a platform. But again, just like with that Jupiter ruling the eighth house, I think it bringing, you know, that sort of difficulty kind of being Yeah, he loud. has that very strong Gemini Mercury, too, um, yeah. on top of this Jupiter. Like, he really rode on, plenty of people have jumped on the self-help um bandwagon right but he really found a lot of success in it as much as i don't agree with him and a lot of his views like that's not yeah 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 so yeah those are examples yeah wow we actually kind of really zoomed through this episode (laughs) yeah i mean jupiter yeah i don't know jupiter like as we're going through it it's like jupiter's really loud okay yeah (laughs) 
It, it really is like, okay, yeah, this, the signi- significations are pretty straightforward, and then the exa- chart examples were very straightforward, too. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm excited to finish up this series with a, um, well, not finish, finish, but we're going to do the Saturn and join the 12th house episode, and then after that, explore the houses that don't have planets, join in them, and then we'll see where we go from there. Yeah. Um, but thanks for joining us on this you know, last, what is it, Venus Day of 2022. Yeah, Um, yeah, and I guess we'll catch you guys in the new year. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.